guys, welcome to Big Church Online. We are so excited that you've joined us today. If you're looking for any sermons or words of encouragement, you've come to the right place. While you're here, please subscribe, like, comment, share. That way you can stay up to date and help others find it as well. Now, let's get this week's sermon in progress. Dang, after last week, I don't... Know if I even want to preach. Last week was a changing and a defining moment. And sometimes when you have those defining moments, as she said, the enemy will come in. He'll start to flood your minds. But can I tell you something? This just this week we got a report as Pastor Minnie was speaking words of life over people. And she was highlighting people. We got a report that there was restoration between a father and a daughter. We've heard that there's restorations in families. There's restorations in relationships. And can I tell you, I'm about to preach a message about making a difference, but what sometimes being obedient to what the Holy Spirit wants to do like she did last week, sometimes that's the biggest difference that we can make in our lives. And sometimes we get so, this, is, this ain't even planned, sometimes we get so programmed, sometimes we get so distracted by what church is supposed to look like and distractions as you can hear. But you know what I'm talking about? You come into church and it's supposed to be three songs and it's supposed to be, you know what? The Holy Spirit doesn't work on three songs and a program and taking up the offering and and hopefully Pastor Isaiah can play a little longer while I talk, but he wants to work and be so free in our lives and so free in this church. And listen, she's already said there's been a battle because he doesn't want freedom. Pastor Johnny spoke a couple weeks ago and was very vulnerable about it. He does not want freedom in our lives because freedom keeps us from knowing who God is. That was the first part of this message. Freedom keeps us, uh, uh, being in change keeps us from discovering our purpose in which she brought to us a couple weeks ago because God wants us to know him, find freedom, and then discover that purpose that God has made. Because let me tell you, the Bible says you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. You're not sitting here on accident this morning. You are sitting here because God ordained you to be not only just in this church, but to be in this community and to go out and be salt and light as I'm about to talk about in this community. God didn't, God called us to make a difference. He didn't call us to sit in a padded pew. We don't have pews. He didn't call us to sit in a padded, you can tell how old school I am. He didn't call us to sit on a padded chair and come in and get our little dose of Jesus. Oh, help me, Lord God. Come and get our little dose of Jesus for an hour and then go out into the world and not do anything to make a difference. He called us to make a difference, not just in here, but in our workplaces, in our families, in our homes, and everything that we run, every environment that we go into, he called us to make a difference. So as you can tell, The title of my message is, Make a Difference. God didn't cause us to sit. He wants us to make a change. He wants us to change the world. 
Wow, that sounds a little overwhelming, doesn't it? But Mother Teresa said this. They asked her how she was going to feed the world. She said, one mouth at a time. Sometimes we get this big, grandiose picture. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to take, I, I got to do. I, but God wants you to take that one small step to do what he wants you to do and what he's called us to do in this world. You know why we need to make a difference in this world? Can I be honest with you this morning? As she said, real, let me be honest with you. Our nation has problems. We have tension all the way around. We have right versus left, left versus right. We have divisions, and everyone is offended. Oh, my gosh, I'm not getting any amens this morning. We've got so much division going on in this world. And, and a little closer to home, I just want to give you some sobering things. Our state has problems. Kentucky's overdose rate is one of the top five out of the 50 states in the United States. Suicides have tripled, tripled over the last three years. We have a serious problem that God is calling us to make a difference. Listen, our city has problems. The murder rate in Louisville, Kentucky from 2019 to 2021 is the highest it's ever been in 36 years. We have problems. God, we need God and God needs us. And we talked about it in the third Wednesday night. If God's in control, why does he need us? Because if he is in control, the Bible also calls us to be co-laborers with Christ. So listen, he, he, could, he could do anything he wants to do because he's God. But he has, has actually called us to come alongside of him and to be salt and light in a dark world. He calls us to be co-laborers, but in Matthew 28, and you know, you know a little bit about Matthew 28, that's the Great Commission. And in that commission, he told the disciples as he was leaving, he said, I want you to go out and find the best building you can find. Man, his cricket's in here this morning. He didn't say that. He said, I want you to get the best lights and, and make sure you have the best cameras, and, and, and I want you to make sure the equipment is just right. And then he said, I want you to have the best service you can have. You better sing three songs. No, no, no. Let's be more holy. Let's sing four songs. And he says, but he didn't. But he also didn't say, I want you just to hold on till Jesus come back. So many times we're sitting around holding on to something. And God is saying, listen, I've commissioned you. He told them in Matthew 28. He said, go. He said, I want you to take action. Let me read Matthew 28, 19. He says, go. Therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. He said, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. So many times we forget that. Not only do we go, but we have to teach people the right way. How do we teach people the right way? We have to become disciples. They had to become disciples so they could disciple someone else. He said, follow me. Let me tell you what, when he said, follow me, you know what they had to do? They had to drop everything. They had to drop their ambitions. They had to drop their life. They had to drop everything that they knew and follow him. So many times, so many times, how much are we willing to invest in God transforming our lives and also to make a difference in someone else's life? A lot of times we want the promotion without the preparation. We want the platform without ever mopping the floor. Oh, goodness. 
We want the platform with ever plowing. We want status without ever seeking what God wants us to do in our own lives. The Bible says this, you have been faithful over a few things and I will make you ruler over many things because servants will become rulers if they become good servants. Servants who are teachable, who are humble, who are adaptable are the ones God will use to make a difference. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking this week and next week, we're going to talk about description, scripture. And we're going to be looking at when Jesus was giving one of the greatest sermons, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus was teaching his disciples and a group that they were going to make a difference in the world around them and how they could do it. I mean, let's read Matthew 5, 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Verse 14, next week, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand, it gives light to all who are in the house. He says in 15, let your light so shine before men that they may see the good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Notice what he said. He didn't say, he, notice what he says. He says, you are the salt of the earth. He didn't say you're becoming salt. He didn't say that you're going to be salt one day. He said you are the salt of the earth. And listen to Matthew 5, 13 in the message. I'm going to read it to you again. It says, let me tell you why you are here. Let me tell you the purpose of your life as she brought a couple of weeks ago. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and you will end up in the garbage. Can I just tell you something? Salt has properties that affect everything around them. So let's talk about salt. Let's talk about salt. I'm not going to sing in that one. First of all, salt was, was very important in history. Salt was so important that it was one of the most tradable commodities you can have out there. It was bartered with. It was exchanged with. People used salt to, as currency. And here's the thing. It's also the word salary, if you didn't know, comes from the word, ancient word, salt money. In the Roman times, the Romans were often paid not only with, with money, but they were also paid with a portion of salt. Any country folk we got in the room today say, that guy ain't worth his salt, right? You ever heard that one? That's kind of where this word came from. He, if somebody is not worth their salt, they didn't get paid their ration of salt. Also in the Bible, it was used to symbolize purification, loyalty, usefulness, value, and faithfulness. But let me talk to you a little bit about what salt does and why Jesus asked us to be salt. The first thing salt does is, not important, not the most important, but the first thing, it produces what? Thirst. You ever eat something salty? You got to have some water. You got to drink that seven Cokes that they charge you $2.95 a Coke. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That's why we drink water when we go to the restaurant because they try to get you with the soft drinks. That was free. Okay, never mind. But it produces thirst. I'm going to ask you a question Are you thirsty or are you producing thirst? 
I remember years ago, I used to, I used to listen to what the kids said. You know, I was an old youth pastor, and I had to stay up with the time. And one of the things they said was, man, that girl, when social media first came out, that girl's thirsty. You ever been around a thirsty person? They're thirsty for everything else around. They're always wanting something. They're always putting that out there. But Jesus met a woman at the well who the world called thirsty. She'd had five husbands. She'd had one boyfriend. She was thirsty for relationships. She was thirsty for security. She was thirsty for belonging. And she was thirsty for identity. But the good thing happened that day. She met the right man. Just like Pastor Mindy got her Prince Charming, or she may think I'm a frog sometimes. She kisses this frog every once in a while. But she met the right man that day. Something about him made her thirsty. You know what? She saw something different in him that wanted, it produced a thirst in her that she wanted to keep searching. John 4, 13, he says this to her. He says, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of the water, this water will thirst again. You're going to come back to this well every day and you're going to have you thirsty again in a few hours. But in 14, he says, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting light. What are you using to quench your thirst? Are you using ambition? Are you using possessions? Are you using a relationship that maybe God said you need to get out of that thirsty relationship? It's not giving you what you need and it's not satisfying the thing that you need in your life. You got to stop drinking the same water. You got to try something new. Matthew 5, 16, he says this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. We will... We have to change our desires. We have to change what we want. We have to change our wishes. And we got to be thirsty for what God wants. And he says, if we're thirsty for what he has to give us, we'll never thirst again. And you'll be filled. You know what else salt does? Salt preserves. Salt was used as a preservative. Salt kills the bacteria. I did a little research. Here we go. Salt kills the bacteria and germs. It allows things to last longer. Back in those days, they spread salt all over their food and anything that they wanted to last longer. And it allows things to last longer. And Jesus was calling his disciples and us to be preservatives in this world. You know what he wanted us to do? He wanted us to slow down the process of the moral and spiritual decay that is going on around us. It didn't just happen then, it's happening now. There is moral and spiritual decay on every way, and he's causing us to be salt, to be spread out. You know, the Egyptians, they used salt to preserve the flesh. Sometimes you just got to let some things die. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. We're throwing salt we're throwing salt on some things that God says, man, I done took care of that like two or three years ago. But yet you keep trying to preserve your past. You keep trying to preserve those habits. You keep trying to preserve those hurts. And God says, I want you to quit throwing, things on, throwing salt on things that I said was dead. Can I just be honest with you? God called us to be life preservers, not anchors in this world. Y'all been around an anchor in this world? 
You've been around life preservers, someone who speaks life and encouragement into you, and you want to be around them, and then you go around that person that's speaking death over you all the time. You feel like instead of a lifeline, they're throwing you an anchor. God's calling us to get out of some of those situations. We're living in a world that we must throw out the lifeline. We have to be the preservers of life. We have to be the preservers of truth and goodness in this world, because if the church don't do it, we're not going to see it anywhere else. Listen, we're here today on a mission to make a difference. Let's throw some salt on things that matter. Let's throw some salt on our present, where we are now. Let's throw some salt on our future, where we're going to be, and quit throwing it on our past. So many times we're preserving everything that used to be, and God said, I got something forward for you, baby, to take you somewhere else, but yet you keep throwing salt on that. Come on, throw salt on your family. Throw salt on your friends. Throw salt on your coworkers. You know what else salt does? It improves the flavor. Salt, it was used to be a flavor enhancer. Jesus was instructing his disciples to enhance the flavor of the world, making his work stand out. God, doesn't, God wants us to walk through this world making such a difference that people know who you are. So many times, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I won't do that yet. Let's stand out from the normal. He says this, Colossians 4, 6. It says, let your speech, listen to this, always be, always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Are you salt seasoned with grace or are you salty? There's another word I learned being around young people. Boy, that girl was salty. But are you salty with your attitude? Are you salty with your speech? What do people believe that you taste like? That sounded weird, didn't it? Do you have that old lemon bitter face every time you walk around in some, oh, about to meddle in somebody's business? Do you have that, that, that old pruned up? You ever give a baby a lemon? Isn't it funny? It is so funny. It's so cruel, but it's so funny. But listen, that's what they're asking us. Are we walking around looking all lemon-faced and bitter and angry and depressed? Or are we walking in the room? When he walks into the room, everything changes. And I think our facial expressions and things that we do in our own lives need to make a difference and change lives. We are to enhance the flavor of all those things around us. And listen, what else salt does? It isn't supposed to overwhelm the meal. Have you ever been some, oh, Lord, you're about to You ever been some, about some overwhelming Christians? Come on, you all know the one I'm talking about right now. You're like, I wish they would just shut up. I know they know John 3, 16 and the whole New King James Version, but... You all got that person in your mind right now, don't you? Salt isn't supposed to overwhelm the meal. It's supposed to add a little flavor when you need it. Your life ought to be tasty. It ought to be exciting. It ought to be not bland. My beautiful wife, didn't she look cute today, y'all? She loves tacos. Can I get an amen? She said amen big. I think she could eat tacos five days a week. One day she did eat them like three or four days a week. I ask her all the time, what do you want to eat? She says, how about Mexican? I sure love some tacos. I said, well, I would have never imagined that one. 
But let me just tell you what a taco is. A taco is just meat and a tortilla. But if you add pico to it, which is a smile, it makes a difference. It's just meat in a tortillo until you put a little cilantro in there. I couldn't even get that out like that. I said an Italian instead of Mexican. When you add a little cilantro to it, which is a kind word. And listen, can I get an amen on some sour cream in here? Come on. Oh, yeah. Come on. Come on. Some people said that ain't a taco with sour cream. It ain't a taco without sour cream. We're going to get an amen on that one. But you know what that taco is? What that sour cream is, it's a helping hand, it's a smile, it's a kind word that you can use someone. And all of a sudden, that bland meat and that just, tor- ooh, heaven forbid it's a corn tortilla. Uh, it just, I know, I knew I was going to get in trouble on that one. But all of a sudden, man, you got a taco that you can tell somebody about. Jesus wants us to taco about him. Listen, I'm the king of dad jokes. I am sorry about that one. I am not sorry about that one. <laughs> that wasn't even in my notes. I don't know where that... And that probably was not the Holy Spirit. That was probably Richard right here. But God is calling us to spread our salt. And you know what that means? That means sharing your testimony. We like to tell everybody everything else, Right? Oh, that could be another whole sermon series right there. We love to tell everyone, instead of our testimony, how bad our day's been or, or how bad our week's been or, or, or the things that are going wrong in our life. I remember testimony services back in the day, and Sister Rita would get up, and, and she'd talk about 14 minutes about how the devil had stomped all over her all week, and she gave one minute of praise to God. I tell you what, we need to turn that around. We need to start talking about how good our God is and how the devil is under our feet. It should not be private. We should tell everyone. The worst thing that a Christian could lose is not its wealth. It's not our jobs. It's not our family. It's not even our life. The worst thing we can lose is our testimony. When you lose your testimony, Jesus said, you lose, the salt loses its seasoning and its flavor. He goes on to say it's good for nothing to be trampled under men. I'm reminded of a little boy that went into his mom and said, Mom... I'll be good all day if you give me $5. And she said to him, why don't you be good for nothing like your daddy? I stole that one. That was good. But we need to be salty with our faith. Why do we need to be salty with our faith? Because we need to enhance the flavor of Jesus. When people are around you, they want to be able to, as Psalm says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you walk into the room, you ought to be so full of flavor and so full of salt that people say, man, I want a bite of what you got. But but mostly they need this, that salt is what? It's the main thing. It's essential to life. Salt maintains fluid in our our blood cells. It's used to transmit 
information to our nerves and to our muscles. Listen, without the sufficient amount of sodium, our senses become, oh, come on. Our senses become dulled and your nerves can't function. Come on, does things get on your nerves a little bit more when you don't have God seasoning salt on you? Oh, come on. The fact is, this is a known fact. Fact is, your body does not naturally produce salt, but it's essential to life. Just like your spirit needs God, and it's essential to life. God doesn't need to be just a supplement in your life. He needs to be the main ingredient. He doesn't need to be trickled on a little bit when you need him or, or put up on a shelf when, when, you know, like we do with our salt shaker. When we need just a little bit, we'll put it back where it's supposed to be to gather dust. But God needs us to be, and our spirit will die without him. We need a supplement. We have supplements for everything. Can they make a supplement for broccoli? Please, so I don't have to eat it. And I'm sure they have one. I just haven't tried it yet. But once we get him as the main ingredient, the supplement is something we need that also complements and enhances enhances our life. I know you continually hear this if you're here. We need to pray more. We need to be in our word more. These things supplement our life as God being the main ingredient. We need church. Once or twice every few months is not enough to go to church. And it's not just about an hour and so you spend in this building. It's talking about becoming the church. But listen, what you need, you need a fellowship of people who are have, who's having a bad, if you're having a bad day, sit next to someone having a good day. You need to be in the house because there's something happens in the house. Last week, there was breakthrough in the house. It went out of here, but there was something that shifted in the house. That's the pastor saying, get to church. But you need all of these supplements to keep your saltiness. You know what else salt can get? Salt can get absorbed. Don't get absorbed by the world. Don't get absorbed by the distractions. Don't get absorbed by the things and the people. And don't get absorbed by the comparison. I think she said that a few weeks ago. We get so so worried about what someone else is doing. And God said, I got the plan for your life, baby. It ain't the one on Instagram. It's not the one that you're looking for. It's your plan. Don't get absorbed with comparison. For salt to lose its saltiness, it takes a lot of water to dilute it. Don't get watered down in your faith. Let's be salty with your faith. We need to live that salt life. Can I get an amen, Pastor Mindy? If I let her, no, no, no. She could probably put bumper stickers on all of our stuff living that salt life because she wants to live that salt life. Why do we need to do that? Matthew 5, 13, back again. We don't have it. It says, you are the salt of the earth. Who is the salt? You are. We are positioned. Can I just tell you this? We are positioned to be the main ingredient of this earth. Just like the faith in God is the main ingredient for you, we're positioned to be the main ingredient. This is not a temporary thing. This is not a temporary thing that we do for a season. This is a lifestyle. And sometimes we have to just cover people with salt when we feel like it. We got to cover people with salt when we don't feel like it. We got to cover people with salt when... Can I just tell you, sometimes it's not hard to get, sometimes it's not easy to get up here. And without being fake, sometimes you got to put a smile on your face and sometimes you got to walk through hell when you, because you are the main ingredient that somebody is looking for. 
And can I tell you, that ain't a, a rule to be fake and phony. That's a rule to know that Jesus Christ lives inside of you. You are bought, you are blood bought, and you gotta understand that you walk with authority in here. So let's start walking with a little more salt in our lives. All right, now I'm getting to my points. Y'all ready? Oh, I'm, still, I'm good. How do we be salt? Number one, this is the biggest one. We value ourselves. The enemy works so hard to devalue you. He works so hard to take you back to that place you used to be. He works so hard to tell you you're worthless and you'll never amount to anything. You'll never be effective for the kingdom of God because why you made a mistake or you did something wrong. Can I just tell you we have to start valuing ourselves. And you may be looking at yourself saying, who me? He wants to make you feel unqualified. He wants to make you feel overlooked and, and discarded and even labeled. Oh, so many people are walking around with a big old label stuck on their head and it's stuck right here between their eyes and they can't see anything outside of what that label says. All of these things make you lose your salt. It makes you lose your flavor. It makes you lose your passion and your effectiveness. You become dull, hopeless, and disconnected. But when the enemy does that, here's what you need to do. You need to remember 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen generation. This is you sitting in this room today if you've given Jesus your life. You're a chosen generation. You ought to be happy. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. The Bible says peculiar. I've been called peculiar. That's okay. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Into his marvelous light. Oh, listen, when he starts talking to you, you got to look at him and say, I'm chosen. I'm royalty. I am his own. And once you realize who you are and whose you are, what you think is a limitation, God has made a launching pad out of. Your testimony is going to change the life of someone. You know why? Because you went through it and, and they made to hear what you've went through. There are certain things I can't minister to people about because I've never been through it. But there are certain things that you can talk about that you've been through. And, and, and God will take that and launch you from it. Use what you have. So how do we become salt? Number two, we value people. We connect with people. One of our core values here at Big Church is people are our purpose. Matthew 25, 34 says this. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come in, blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Listen, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. They couldn't quite understand what he was talking about. Jesus goes on to say in the message version, we may not have this if we do, a couple of these we don't. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when, did you ever, when were you ever sick in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling you, listen, I'm telling you the solemn truth. Whenever you did this to one of these, these things to someone overlooked or ignored, you did it to me. If you cared about someone else, you did it to me. He's saying, I take it personal. You ever talk to someone and they start talking to you? Now, 
don't take this personal. What's the first thing you do? You take it personal. Jesus said, if you do this to the least of these, if you go out and help the homeless, if you go out and, and help a single mom, if you go out and be light and salt to this world, you've done it to me. He takes it personal. If you want to be more like Jesus, we have to value people. He didn't pick and choose who he hung out with. He didn't go to the people that seemed worthless or unredeemable. He hung out with the sinners. Most of the time, he passed the church right up. Y'all know what I'm talking about. He said, and the temple, he was in there flipping tables and purging and doing all of those things. He hung out with the sinners and the publicans. Because he said, those that are well don't need a physician. Those that are sick need a physician. He hung out with those people. So we must take care and treat people and value people well. Number three, we got to be influencers. We got a lot of influencers out there in this world, right? Some of these people are making some money. Just telling you they like to take Advil PMs because it makes them go to sleep. Maybe that's not what it is. But you know what I'm talking about. But an influencer is someone in the industry who sways a, a target audience. They serve as a brand ambassador either for their own brand or someone else's. The Bible says in, in Corinthians, it says, we are ambassadors of Christ we are influencers of Christ. When you add value, you will see the influence. When you add value to people, they're going to see the influence that you have in your life. You're not going to have to post it on social media. You're not going to have to go to, to every other avenue. They're just going to see it when you walk into the room. Everything changes. John Maxwell says he does these things every day to value people. He thinks ahead on how he's going to value people. Listen, we see what we're prepared to see. And how you see and view things is how you do things. I stole that from him. If you're positive, you're going to find something positive to talk about. If you're positive, you're going to find good things to talk about and be around that person. If you're negative, have you ever been around the negative people? They're always finding something bad and discouraging. He says you got to think ahead of what you're going to do that day. And also, he says, I look for value in people while you're with them. He said we need to listen. <laughs> I got convicted of this one. We need to listen more than we talk. Ouch. My wife has always said, don't talk. You're talking over me again. Don't do that anymore. And so sometimes I have to back myself out just a little bit. And I have a hard time with it. I, I, I'm not lying. I like to talk. But sometimes we need to listen more than we talk. And also we need to be, when you're around people to value, you got to be present to the moment. When you, what I've done, if I have a meeting with someone, I take my phone now because somebody told me, and I turn it upside down and turn the ringer off. Because if you're being with someone, you don't show them value if you're answering every text message, every ding, every notification that comes up. He says you need to value people and be present to the moment. Number four, he says, I take action. Good intentions never changed anybody's life. Here, here's Paul speaking. Good intentions never, thank you. Never, good intentions never change lives. Here's Paul speaking. I don't know, the, I don't think we have this, but I'm gonna read it to you out of the message. 
You know me, I don't really do the message, but this is good. Even though, this is us, this is the Apostle Paul speaking greatness. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulist, moralist, loose living immoralist, the defeated and the demoralized, whoever. I don't take it on my way. I didn't take on their way of life though. Listen, that's the big key. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered, oh, listen, but I entered into their world. I tried to experience things through their point of view. So many times, I'm going to go back to that. So many times we look at someone and we don't know where they've been. You don't know the experiences they've been in, but yet we want to form judgments and we want to, oh, y'all know what I'm talking about. He said, I didn't go into their world, but I invaded their world. I poured salt all over their world. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. Listen, I did all this because of the message. I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted to be about it. Listen, we got to encourage others to add value. There is power in changing one life. That woman at the well, instead of Jesus condemning her, instead of him telling her, you're no good, you've had, you're shacking up and you've had five husbands, he said, no, you can go, you can change the world. And she went back into town. The Bible says she told everybody, everybody what he did of the goodness of God. Number five. We got to be attractive. I'm pretty good at that. I'm not talking about looks. I'm talking about we got to live good values. Galatians 5. Sherry talked about this at Circle Up last week. It's the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. Got to have a smile on our face. It's peace. It's to have peace when all hell is breaking loose in your life. It's long-suffering. You ever had to be long-suffering with someone? Pastor Mindy's looking at me. It's called kindness. It's called goodness. It's called faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. That's the hard one. Against such there is no law. You have to display good fruit. And not only do you, are you to be attractive, you gotta, you got to display these to stay attractive. We're looking, the world is looking for a real, authentic thing. Did you, you watch Oh Brother Where Out There? I said, Daddy, you ain't bona fide. You can tell I'm from the hills. They're looking for something that's bona fide. They're looking for something that's real. They're looking for something that's genuine. And, and if you have good values on the inside, you will need less validation on the outside. Thank you, John Maxwell. He said, if you have good values on the inside, you need less validation on the outside. You know why? People won't have to tell you you're good. They're going to see that you're good. Oh, Ultimately, I'm winding down because I'm wound up. What it boils down to ultimately is this. It's not about us. Romans 15 in the message. Those of us who are strong 
and able in faith need to step in, listen to it. There's some of us in this room that need to hear this. Those of us that are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter. And not just do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status. Oh my gosh, the message Bible spoke to me this week, these last two weeks. It's not about service. It's about, it, it, it's about service. It's not about status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people all around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? How can I help? Romans 15 goes on to say this. That's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy on himself by avoiding people's troubles. But he waded right in and he helped out. It says he took on the troubles of the troubled. That's what the scripture says. Jesus never challenged us to become salt. He simply said you are the salt of the world. So you're either fulfilling that or you're failing from that. There's, two, there's only two choices. Let's all stand if we would please. This morning, maybe you've never given your life over to Jesus. Can I tell you, this could be the day that changes everything. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. He doesn't say tomorrow or next week because you know why? The Bible says you're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised another breath. This could be the day that you become salt and light in this world. I'm going to ask you all would to bow your heads and nobody looking around. And, and if you've never made that declaration for Jesus to come into your heart and to be the Lord of your life, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. This may be a good prayer for all of us <laughs> to pray every once in a while. Say, Jesus, come on. Jesus, I come to you today. I admit I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Please forgive me. Come into my heart. Most of all, take control. The Bible says this, is if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you can be saved. And that sounds easy. That is easy. The important thing is after we make that declaration, we got to walk this thing out. And that's the hardest part of it right there. You know why? You gotta be intentional every single day in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here today, and we're gonna open these altars up for all, whoever needs prayer. The prayer team's gonna be on the left and the right, and if you need prayer for anything, we're here for you this morning. But maybe you're here today, and you've lost your flavor. Life just feels dull, dull and boring, and you just don't, you don't feel like you're seasoned. There's nothing really going on and you're just letting the enemy tell you something that's not true check your salt maybe you've been oh, maybe you've been trying to add the wrong thing to enhance flavor in your life what you thought was a supplement could be a substitute God says I want you to add this and you say ah 
it tastes okay the way that it's always been. God says, I want you to take this away. And he says, oh God, I've always, I've gotten so used to that. I don't know if I can give that up. God says, if you'll start seasoning me with your life, I'm gonna give you the peace, the joy, the contentment that you've been looking for. I'm gonna ask you this morning to live that salt life. Thank you for joining us today. If you're looking for more information or resources, you can visit mybigchurch.com or follow us on social media at mybigchurch. We love you guys. See you soon. Thank you.